memories are the basis of your individual identity. You are one person. The number one is a whole number. You are not a fraction. You are a whole person. Once you start getting that clear, it's easier to say no to a person so that you can say yes to God. Fences, curbs on the street, lines around a football field. These are obvious boundaries. But what about personal boundaries? Those limits in your life that cannot or should not be crossed by others? Well, today on Hope for the Heart, we'll hear a biblical perspective on boundaries, plus practical help for setting them and keeping them. The result is healthy relationships. Here's June Hunt. I don't know of a topic that has more mystery to it than boundaries. Mystery as in, yeah, I know that word, but I don't seem to be able to apply it. I don't know how to work it out in my relationships. There are times when I will ask someone on a radio program. I do a radio program called Hope in the Night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. And it is very interesting because people call about so many different issues, specifically relational issues, and many are wanting to know about boundaries. I'll say, well, tell me, what do you think a boundary means? And usually they'll tell me a scenario. Well, I told my son, and this is what he did. I said, do you have boundaries? Yes. And so when I told him that he had to do this at the house, well, he didn't do it. I said, well, then what happened? Well, I just get mad. I just get mad. I said, so you have a boundary. Is there more? Well, he just infuriates me. You can have a line, but if that's all you have, you don't know how to implement boundaries if there's just a line. Because anybody can step over a line. If all we have is a line when it comes to relationships, it's totally insufficient. This is an area, boundaries, that has many different facets, meaning there are all different kinds of boundaries, and we need to make sure we're all talking the same language. So let's talk about what are boundaries. What I like to say the most is a boundary is an established limit, a line that should not be crossed. In some cases, it is a line that cannot be crossed by human beings, as with many of the boundaries that God has established with creation. These are called fixed boundaries. They are regarded as laws. So many times we think about a physical boundary. A physical boundary could be considered a territorial line that divides one area from another. There are wars, major wars, over territorial lines. So what we have is a word boundaries that sometimes would be used from a military standpoint or a governmental standpoint. And if there's not agreement, there's a problem. Especially when someone says, that's my territory. I many times like to think, when is the first instance of whatever it is in the Bible? As I think about 
a breaking of a boundary. I think about in the Garden of Eden. God provided whatever Adam and Eve needed. You can eat from any tree. Just one you are not to eat from. So he set a boundary. But everything else is yours. To eat from, to nourish you. I've provided all this for you. So, what did Adam and Eve do? They ate from that one tree. They broke the boundary. They crossed the line. Did God say anything about what would happen if they chose to do that? Yeah, there was a repercussion. In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. That's what he said. If you have a line, if you cross the line, there's a repercussion. If you stay within the line, there's, in essence, a reward, as in the Garden of Eden. For some of you, that concept is going to be huge. Because when I used to be a youth director, I saw many parents who loved their children. They did not know how to have firm boundaries. They would just give in, give in, give in. And they said, but I don't want to have my son, my daughter hate me. They were looking at it from their standpoint. I want to be friends. If you're a parent, you're a parent first. And that means they need to learn how to live in the real world once they are out from underneath you, out from underneath your roof, and you're preparing them for the future. You're preparing them to live in a way where there isn't going to be mama there. There's not daddy who's going to, oh, well, let me just slip him some money. I know he said he's not going to get any more, but, you know, he's just a boy. The problem is if you've said one thing, you said you're not going to bail a son or daughter out, and then you come back and you bail them out, then where are the lines? And they're going to expect that kind of treatment in adulthood. And they're going to have a boss, probably, who isn't going to have fuzzy lines. Lines that move, that aren't really lines at all. Many of you are parents. You are God's instrument to what I call prepare your kite for flight. To fly independent of you where they have learned self-discipline. Now, what we want to understand is... Moral boundaries. The word moral means there's a right and wrong. A moral boundary is an ethical line that divides right from wrong. When you communicate a clear, rightful boundary, there needs to be a reward and a repercussion. Two R's. Reward, repercussion. When a boundary is respected, there is a reward for Adam and Eve. They could eat anything they want, except for that one tree that they were not to eat from. That was the right they had, the right to eat any place else. But the wrong meant when they crossed the line, there was a repercussion. Think about your life. Are you clear about the areas of right and wrong when other people are involved? There are going to be people who would like to push your boundaries. Tell you that you are not a good person. There will be people who will say that to you. 
well you're just not being a Christian if you don't give me whatever it is that's hard when your character can be attacked but clearly what we see is God said to Adam because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you you must not eat of it then curses the ground because of you and through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life so we're talking about a principle of reward and repercussion personal boundaries are lines that separate one person from another it's a healthy byproduct of just being creations of God where you are a single unique person a single unique person you say well wait a minute though but I'm married and so I have to do whatever my spouse says hundred years ago when I was in my 20s <laughs> maybe a little exaggeration my mother had a secretary she said to me would you counsel my mother I said your mother she said yes she needs help so I drive to her mother's apartment and she begins to tell me how she had been married to a man who wanted them as a couple to swing and that means that you switch marriage partners she kept saying I don't want to do this and so he used a scripture on her what do you think it might have been yes wives submit to your husbands he kept saying it over and over it was scripture so I did it but I didn't want to and she said I just felt no bigger than a dime I just felt dirty I said you realize that your husband used manipulated you using a scripture but out of context the context is the whole of the Bible what does the whole of the Bible say for example in regard to fidelity sexually not to go off and have sexual relations with other men that's called adultery I said so he used a scripture on you but do you understand anything that violates the clear command of God anything that violates what he says you do not do why because your allegiance is first and foremost to be to the Lord not to a human being so don't let someone badger you using scripture when you know there's already a boundary God has set forth we must obey God rather than man boundaries are the basis of your individual identity you are one person the number one is a whole number you are not a fraction you are a whole person you not someone else are responsible for your own beliefs your commitments your responsibilities your decisions your actions once you start getting that clear it's easier to say no to a person so that you can say yes to God this is listener supported hope for the heart with June Hunt and we're talking about boundaries what they are and why we need them coming up June shares a conversation she had with the wife of an alcoholic the focus is on what setting boundaries would look like for her 
This call first aired on June's nighttime radio program, Hope in the Night. If you'd like to talk with June on the air, give us a call at 800-Night-17. That's 800-644-4817. Right now, let's get back to this broadcast as June introduces this call to her live audience. I thought this call would be very helpful to help you see what happens when you don't have a boundary. How am I going to deal with an unsaved loved one, my husband? When we got married, I wasn't saved. And when I submitted my life to the Lord, he still was dealing with the world and it's difficult. He drinks a lot, which is really bad because it makes him irresponsible, the financial aspect of it. It's really kind of hard to deal with. Of course, the Lord is the one that I really depend on, but sometimes the situation can get really trying, not being a husband that they should be in and I pray, but it's just really difficult. So how can I help you? When he comes in and he's drinking, I just really frustrate it and I get angry about that. Would you classify him as an alcoholic? Yes, but he doesn't think he is. Is it apparent to anyone else, any other family members? Yes. Does it affect his work performance? Yes, it does. He's lost several jobs. Has there been a time when he would ask you to cover up for him and call and say, oh, he's sick or Mm -hmm. something like that? Yeah. And did you do it? Did you help him out? Yes, I did, because I knew if I didn't, it would cause him more problems. Would you have a strong commitment to be Christ-like? Yes. Okay, great. Would Christ lie? Beg your pardon? Would Jesus Christ lie? Would he lie? Mm Mm-hmm. No. No. Why not? Didn't he care about people? Yeah, well, God is not such a man that he would lie. It's in Scripture. Yeah, in fact, it literally says in Titus, God who does not lie, and Jesus is God. If you want to be Christ-like, then why have you lied for your husband? I suppose I did that because I knew if something wasn't done, he wouldn't have a job. Let's stop right there. Mm -hmm. As long as you can be his need meter... As long as you can meet his needs to help him have a job, not face these negative consequences, why on earth would he need the Savior? I never thought of it in that way. If you rescue him from the natural consequences of his sin, he can be at peace doing anything he wants to do. Why should he change? Well, I never looked at it in that sense. This is classically called an enabler, who enable those in negative behavior to stay exactly as they are, to maintain their irresponsibility because you're the cover-up, you're the enabler. I never really thought of it like that. Think about it. Why is it that some people finally are willing to change after years of having a pattern of life that's negative? Do they change because everything is going great? No, they no. get tired of the situation. And Excellent, excellent. You're thinking right. The reason human beings change is when our negative behavior is painful, it becomes more painful to continue on as we were than to change. We can become so sick of ourselves that finally we're willing to change. You've got to quit being the rescuer. You've got to quit being the enabler. There is one Savior. And you are not him. 
When he doesn't take responsibility of paying the bills, you're saying that I should just not take that responsibility regardless? Let's consider some other actions first. I would get some type of counseling specifically geared toward the wife of an alcoholic. The word codependency was coined for the person who was living with a person dependent on drugs. That codependent had a type of behavior that was predictable. Mm -hmm. Everybody walked on eggshells. Everybody's life was affected based on whatever that one person would do. There was often taking more responsibility for everything that actually was in the hands of the alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest that you learn what codependency is all about. Proverbs 13, 16 mm -hmm. says, Every prudent man or woman acts out of knowledge. Right. You need to be knowledgeable. Have you tried crisis intervention? Do you know what I mean by that? You mean go personally to myself? No. A crisis intervention deals with a type of confrontation. A meeting takes place with loved ones who would be willing to confront the alcoholic. That meeting would take place with family members who have been negatively affected, any friends, a spiritual person, whether it's a pastor or teacher, anyone in employment, those who care. There are two meetings. The first meeting, you'd come together. All of you discuss a specific incident that was very painful. Let me explain why you do a crisis intervention with a group. Mm -hmm. I am going to assume, and I would bet my last dollar, that you have tried to get him to stop this destructive drinking. That's right, I have. And it's getting nowhere, correct? That's very true. Okay. There are times when loved ones are not listened to, especially when it's a spouse. Mm -hmm. In Matthew 18, we read, If your brother, in this case your husband, sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Well, you've tried that. Mm -hmm. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. But if he will not listen to you, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Mm -hmm. You're doing this out of love. You're doing this because you care. The first meeting, without your husband's knowledge, you discuss what you could share individually with this format. I really care about you. I am committed to you. I want what is best for you. And then they mention a painful situation to help him understand that he needs a changed life. And this is key that this be a confidential first meeting because then the next meeting they will know exactly what order in which they will speak when confronting. Proverbs 14:25. it says, A truthful witness saves lives. Speaking the truth in love mm -hmm. has the potential to literally save a life. What's typical is that you'll be a peace at all cost person because you hate the disruption, you hate the outburst, you hate the negative behavior, right? Yes, that's right. The point that I'm wanting you to hear is he will not respect you if you are untruthful. Mm -hmm. Basically, he thinks he can manipulate you. Yes. This will not enable him to respect Christ who is in you mm -hmm. because ultimately he needs a changed life. 
and that changed life comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. So will you go and seek counsel and learn what crisis intervention is all about? Yes, I will. I will contact someone and I will talk to family members and see if they would be willing to confront him. And the principle here is there is power in numbers. You could talk until you're blue in the face and it's not going to have the impact. Mm -hmm. But right now he can't hear it from you. That's why the scripture talks about you take others with you. Proverbs I never looked at the scripture in mm -hmm. that manner. Proverbs twelve eighteen says the tongue of the wise brings healing. And may his spiritual life be healed so that he could truly experience the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one way to do a boundary in terms of saying, I will not lie for my spouse anymore. I will not lie. I will not do anything that's illegal. I won't do anything that's immoral. She honestly thought she was right. She was shocked that she was so off the mark. There's no motivation for her husband to change as long as she's taking care of everything and she's being a peace-at-all-cost person, but she doesn't feel respected at all. So there are times when you have a boundary. A real-life example about the need for boundaries. You've been listening to Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. If you have questions about what you heard today, whether it's about boundaries or living with and loving an alcoholic, call and talk with someone in our Hope Care Center. The number is 800-488-HOPE. And our new Keys for Living series includes a guidebook about boundaries. Empower your life, enhance your relationships, and enrich your walk with God. You can get a digital download of this practical guide or order the hard copy at hopefortheheart.org. Now here's June again with a final word about boundaries. If you struggled with broken boundaries, you could also struggle with being afraid of disappointing others or receiving criticism from others or losing the love of others. The Lord doesn't want you to live in a state of fear, which is why so many people have been helped when they focus on Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. When you read and remember God's word, He strengthens your relationship with Him. Then you will know that He is your strength. He is your confidence. He is your security. Well, we pray that this program has given you a biblical perspective on boundaries. Hope for the Heart is here to help you discover a biblical and practical approach to your challenges, your wounds, and your addictions. There's no reason for anyone to suffer alone. Here's more. Taking them off my hook and placing them onto God's hook. I did just this, and my dried, hardened heart was softened. I cried to my Father for mercy and forgiveness. It was a cultivating experience, a renewing of my mind, and joy. I had not experienced joy for years. Our mission this year at Hope for the Heart is to help millions on the Internet, like Brenda, understand how to believe, trust, and apply God's truth to their life. To do this, we have an urgent need to convert more than 100 print teaching materials into videos. 
Every day, more than 13 billion videos are viewed. People are right now surfing the Internet looking for answers. Start your monthly gift of $30 or more today to support this I Hope video project and receive a copy of June's Counseling Through Your Bible handbook. Make this eternal investment at hopefortheheart.org. Well, the Internet is a big mission field, and it's vital that we stay connected during this time. Supporting this project is one way to reach out. That website again is hopefortheheart.org. And speaking of staying connected, join June on Facebook for daily access to biblical hope and practical help. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Remember that there is hope no matter the circumstance. Join us back here tomorrow for more about this hope here on Hope for the Heart.